It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 39 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, March 23rd, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. What's going on? We are dwindling down the month of March. I think the month of March has gone by relatively quickly, like almost as fast as the short month of February. Yeah, I'll agree to that. Yeah, next week is the last week of the month. Yeah. We're uh, we're headed that way. (laughs) We're already into the first of spring. and Yeah, Q1's almost done. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Q1's almost done. So, okay, well, let's start off there then. (laughs) I'm going to put you both on the spot and say, what are, give me, give me a tip for, uh, or an action item that uh, maybe you should do now that Q1 is, is coming to an end. What should you take action on and look at um, within the first week of, of Q2? Where That's related go? to something I learned in Q1. Hey, I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna let you go for it as long as it's not well, related like your golf game or something. Okay, like what that. I've been focusing on for the last month or so is uh, conversion points and tag manager. Uh, so I think I'm going to really start going through all the accounts I work on, the fine tooth comb for tag manager and conversion points, um, both organically and paid. So Pat, Pat's been working on a lot of uh, migrating of, of goals and conversions uh, as as a lot of sites are, are migrating over to Google Tag Manager still mm-hmm. and making sure that we're firing uh, events and firing um, conversion tags, especially with AdWords, into the specific pages we want to. So you're, you're basically saying, uh, I'm going to review what was done in, in Q1. Where did, where did you fall short and try and try and get the rest of them cleaned up and, mm-hmm. and moving forward to, to start the quarter off right. Mm-hmm. That's, good. that's a good review. Cool. I guess Housekeeping I'll, item. I right. Say. Sorry, yeah. actually. No, that's fine. Um, I'll say that it would be a good time to look back, compare um, Q1 of this year to Q1 of last year on your website um, in Google Analytics. See how those compare. And um, for your key pages, see what metrics have maybe have moved mm-hmm. um, positively or negatively and if there's some adjustments that you need to make along those lines it's a good time to evaluate that that's great I'll close that with um, you know I think it's uh, quarterly is always a good time to be reviewing your 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 overarching strategy certainly from an inbound perspective so uh, where are you at with your search goals um, you know how do your business goals for for Q1, how do they translate into online goals for Q1? What does that look like moving forward into Q2? Um, certainly, I would hope that you had your, your Q2 content marketing plan nailed down um, and locked in and already already in production. But if not, um, you know, making sure you're revisiting that, making sure you're on point with the season. Mm-hmm. If there is any kind of seasonality, cyclicality with your business uh, or the industry that you're in, and, uh, you know, maybe, too, if you fell short, if you look back at Q1 and say, gosh, we, we were doing really good out of the gate, and then we started to, to fall down on the job from a, a content perspective, now's, now's your opportunity to push that big reset button and get back to it and, 
and create some consistencies again. So, cool. Good. Good stuff. All right, Pat, you agreed to take lead this sure. week. Uh, you know, you sat out last week. so uh, sat out last week. Only, <laughs> yeah. I, I took the afternoon off. You so. were drinking beer and watching basketball, even though... My you, in-laws you... forced me to do that. I, I was not able to control that. It was one of those things where I had to take one for the team and go sit on a bar stool somewhere. Uh-huh. I didn't want to be that guy. Sounds rough. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay, so um, back around the beginning of the year... I made some bold predictions <laughs> about voice search and voice assistance and how I thought and still think they're going to die in the vine. Um, plateau. So, I think plat- plateau was probably a more subtle way to put it. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with die in the vine. Okay. I'm not, they're not going to plateau. They're going to decrease. Okay. I think they've already plateaued. Okay. I really do. Um, so I, I wanted to do a little research. I haven't, I've, I've kind of been keeping my nose out of that one. I've not wanted to bug it because it, I caught so much flack for it. Um, but it was for good reason. It was, I mean, for, it was for good reason. Yeah. So I, I did some digging and I did happen to just find that, um, recently at, uh, SMX West, there was a roundtable conversation between a couple of industry professionals. Um, and the subject was optimizing content for voice search and virtual assistants. And um, I found an author um, in an article that's on Search Engine Land, and uh, this was just published a couple days ago. Um, the big takeaway that I got from this article is the, the big reveal that happened during this panel was that they basically outlined good SEO tactics across the board. It's just it, it's, it's the same it's the same concepts. They're talking about long tail phrasing. Uh, Linguistic speaking, just basic keeping it human, uh, proper schema markup, go for the type of um, elements that you would strategize for when you're uh, trying to get a position zero hmm. or like a, you know, a, a proper Wikipedia page because that usually has a dominating result in, in position zero, things like that. And um, it was just kind of frustrating for me because <laughs> it's, it's what we've been learning as SEOs forever is... We're learning, we're leaning towards human, being human, keeping it human, and um, blurring that line between robotic and human, and keeping content as fresh and clean and not stuffed. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that's the strategy for voice assistance and voice search right now. Um, they dropped some, some interesting stats how um, 80% of where did that stack go? 80% of um, voice searches are informational intent, like guides, how-tos, tools, FAQs. 10% are I want to goes, like uh, store location services, press releases, customer info. 10% was I want to do, like looking for videos, hmm. um, and product information, comparisons, product stories. So 80% of searches, the, the intent is very much... Uh, informational, what we often talk about on the redirect as well as just internally here, black truck is those um, problem-based queries. I, I'm, you know, people that are looking for uh, a solution to their problem, right. answering a question. Where you, what that is saying is 20 percent. Did I guess there's ten percent of eighty, ten and ten. Okay, so um, but twenty percent of those have this strong intent for I want or I'm looking right. for mm-hmm. something specific, and those are the money. Those are the money keywords, right? The bottom, bottom right. of the funnel, right? Phrases. The bottom of the funnel stuff, and um, it's it, to me, it's it's no different. And as 
what, what I have been doing for search, it's, it isn't anything different. I guess ultimately my, my biggest beef on these is there isn't a new learning curve we have to, to master on voice assistants uh, as far as what SEOs need to do. The learning curve comes from the people who own the devices. Mm -hmm. That's where the curve is going to be coming from. Um, <clears throat> and then as far as um, the devices themselves, they, I think I read in here that over at this point, 400 million personal assistants are now um, in the wild hmm. out there. Hmm. And they're being not necessarily used, but they've been sold. 400 million have been sold, and that could be in conjunction with other devices. You know, your phone is a personal assistant because more than likely it's got a, a personal assistant built into it. Um, I myself am now, um, quote unquote, a smart home because I upgraded uh, through my power company my thermostats to smart thermostats mm -hmm. that have an Alexa device built into them. And I've been trying really hard to <laughs> adapt. And I consider myself on the high end of the technology adaptation scale. And I'm struggling quite a bit <laughs> with it. Uh, well, you revealed that before in, yeah. in previous episodes, how, how we learned it's very much about those. Uh, um, Google calls them actions. You know, it's, yep. Alexa calls them something, skills, where you as the user very much have to understand how to talk to the thing. Right. Versus the other way around. So if everybody's freaking out about robots taking over the world, just know there's hope in the fact that you actually need to learn or teach it how to take over the right. world first. <laughs> right. So, but those teaching modules are based on interactions, you know, observation periods of people learning, like Agreed. doing these things wrong. Agreed. Um, another big pet peeve of mine in all these voice articles, these assistant articles, is the first example given is how to turn your lights down. Mm. And how, how like, I turn my lights down 20%. Uh, and that drives me nuts because um, as a DIYer myself and someone who looks <laughs> at all the steps, I'm, I'm big into the steps on how to get to A to B. In order to do that, in order to turn your lights down, you don't need just an assistant. You need the smart device. You need dimmable light bulbs. Yep. You need a light fixture that can handle the dimmable light bulbs. You need a switch that can handle the compatibility with the type of dimmable mm -hmm. bulbs that you have. And then the switch also then, then needs to be compatible with the smart device mm -hmm. that you have that's connected to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to upgrade my entire house electronics <laughs> just to save myself 10 seconds from standing up and going to the wall and, and turning the light down. Yeah. You know, it, it's... It, it, I, you know, on the, on the subject of smart homes, regardless of uh, uh, voice search... Because now we're going down. This can, these are two completely. Right. I, I think people need to understand two these are, two totally these different are things. two very 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 different things. And people aren't the, separating it. No, they're not. I, I well, uh, let's 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 put it out there. This the consumer is not going to separate the two, right? Because it's right. the same device they use uh, for doing a search to reorder Tide as it is the same one that they tell to turn their lights down. Mm -hmm. So what search marketers need to do is they need to challenge themselves to separate those entities out to say there's search and how we can conduct commerce and, and relationships from a, a search perspective. And then there's interactivity with the device to say, I need you to do X. Right. I, I think that's where they're going to accelerate as they continue to be adapted and mm -hmm. that technology becomes easier to work with and integrated. On the search side, though, back to your original point, what you're seeing is, is very much, 
it's not a do the same things that you're doing. It, it certainly is a little bit of an evolution in in natural language and, and, and things like that of right. uh, of uh, again writing for human beings. Yeah. Um, and certainly taking an opportunity to look at the featured snippet side. Of right. Too, so. Something that I've adapted quite a long time ago, before voice assistance and voice search was um, a big topic of conversation across the marketing and search world, is voice to search or voice to text. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on my smartphone, I'll use, when I have the keyboard open, I'll touch the little microphone button mm-hmm. at the bottom, and I'll use that feature daily. And I will speak what I want to type. And I'll speak it in the way it needs to be typed. Mm-hmm. And that has been, I've seen, I've seen improvements with that over the years. I'd say I've been using that feature for probably five years now. So, so with that, do you think, do you think that, um, that as that technology advances, um, voice search is going to become more, um, normalized, meaning it's going to be very, very similar to how we search with our thumbs or right. search with, with the keyboard? I think it's um, trying to reinvent the mousetrap, hmm. to tell you the truth. Hmm. I think there's it's being overthought too much because it's working fine as is through the the voice keyboard, I guess, if you want to call mm-hmm. it, you know, the microphone mm-hmm. that's built into your keyboard. Sure. It's been working fine for me for years, and I know how it works. I know what it needs to do. Uh, I've, um, in my life as a smartphone user, I've, I was Android for a couple of years. I think I've been, um, iPhone for about five years now. And I was, um, an iPhone user when Surrey first came out and I recognized within probably six months that it's worthless. Mm. <laughs> and since then I will only use the, yeah. the, the keyboard yeah. microphone tool. And I think that's where it, it can go and that's all it needs to be. Hmm. It's a good observation. So coming out of that, I mean, I saw a lot of chatter from SMX too. I mean, it was, I think one week we talked about, you could see a lot of stuff going on, uh, discussions from PubCon and now, uh, SMX West. Um, so what would your, I guess, what's your big takeaway from there? Continue, continue doing, you know, honest on-page optimizations, yeah. like like yeah. in an appropriate fashion. If or? you're doing good, solid, modern white hat SEO, keeping it human tactics, you do not have to change your game for voice search. Hmm. It's good. It's a good. It's a good point. Um, I'm not going to agree 100%, but I don't have to agree with 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 that 100%. I, I think there are certain things that people can do uh, to to definitely impact. Um, voice search and, and the readability of it from, from that perspective. I think that now with the mobile first index just starting to become more what we might deem mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, I think we, while things have plateaued off in, in your, to, to your point from maybe that, that search perspective, I think we're just getting started. I agree. I think there has to be a, a complete re- <clears throat> Uh, evaluation or reinvention of it before it can get solved. You know, the first version of the tablet, the or the first version of the smart device or the the PDF or what are the the what were they called in the uh, early 2000s? Yeah, 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 yeah. The pocket computers, Palm, Pilot? Palm Pilots, and pocket computers. PDA. Yeah, PDA. That's it. PDF. Yeah, yeah. You know that that took a dozen years sure. of not being functional before it became an everyday thing. True. And I think. True. It might it might be 2025 before there's a, a, a 
a solution to what we're discussing every day right now. Hmm. Can I take that as a segue? Sure. I, 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 think, I think it's going to be a lot faster than that. So I, uh, something new out kind of the, within the past week from our discussions is um, certainly this is in the Google, the Google world, right? Um, I don't think Bing is, is there yet, but uh, with Cortana, they could be pretty close behind. But uh, official announcement is that they've released shopping actions. So actions, again, are, are Google's way of prompts uh, from a voice search perspective. So Google actions for voice shopping and assistant. Um, search engine roundtables, Barry Schwartz published a great post on, on that topic of of how things actually got a little confusing because the, the business news site Reuters had published a post that garnered a lot of attention and they it got a lot of people confused. Like, I'm sure a lot of SEOs or, or practitioners of search will notice that usually when your business publications get involved in, in the details and, and try to talk about the inner workings of search, <laughs> things get a little bit money. You know, your entrepreneurs <laughs> of the world, Inc. magazines and things like that, things get a little bit hyped up and freaked mm-hmm. out but um what had happened was is that um writers had come out and basically said that, that this was um uh specific to google search they just kind of generalized it. it it's not a generalization this is uh people need to really understand this. this is not an organic search feature but it's a google shopping feature specifically an ad so we're talking about promoted shopping ads mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know, and I think we've discussed it before, uh, Google Express, they're pushing Google Express pretty hard from that shopping perspective. Um, this really is very much a feature of that. Um, so it uh, is only a matter of time before Google started to, to test out methods to monetize off of, of, of voice search. Um, so the, the example that's, that's used, uh, was something like, uh, uh, you know, ordering, right? Ordering dish soap in this case. Um, there was great, great one on search engine land as well as search engine roundtable. Um, cost per sale shopping actions and a unified shopping program across search and assistant and express. Um, I haven't seen anything yet. We have a, only a couple shopping campaigns that are running, so so we're we're probably not going to see that anytime soon. But it's very much the you know, okay, device buy. Uh, in this case, their example is up and up a laundry detergent. Okay, I found something, uh, you know, from Target on Google Express. I was uh, thinking that we could totally do a little bit of a live nice. uh, action on this and see if it actually works. So um, it's only available via Google Assistant, Google Express, and Google Express Shopping Ads in Google Search. So being a, a Pixel user, I would assume that this is baked in, but we'll try it. It could fail miserably. <laughs> so I'm going to follow their exact uh, query here. Um I love it that, that so Target is in on this game, so Target's going to get a bunch oh, of traffic from yeah. this. Okay, Google. Buy up and up laundry detergent. Here's what I found on Google Express. So um, it's, it's telling me in this case what it found. Now, again, this goes back to my point before about voice search. Pat, it's probably in line with your thoughts and beliefs, too, is that it's and we talked about it with Cindy Crum too in the interview mm-hmm. I did with her and had her on the show. It's what happens 
after that. So first, you have to have Google Express, you have to have this set up on your phone, just like Google Assistant. You know, like my Google Assistant won't work if I don't have my password, you know, put it in things like that. I just can't say, okay, Google, and, and have the phone unlock, right? Um, it's trying to do a certain thing now. So, but it did find me. It did find me results. But I still have to interact with the device yeah. after that. Yeah, I, I brought that up in a yeah one of our uh, podcasts where I said, okay, you did voice search. Now what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now Amazon though, like if you were to say uh, whatever it is, you know, Alexa, order, you know, up and up laundry detergent. It could it would very well be able right. to do that for you. So built on a commerce foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But interestingly enough is that they're using Google Express to pull that in, which is very much a cost per or mm-hmm. a pay per model. Um, right. So Google's quickly been able to go to market and say, we can monetize over this. Um, and this includes Google Home products as well. So you can be at home and do these types of eyes-free uh, shopping experiences. So I imagine that very much if you were a major retailer. I don't see a lot of small uh, e-commerce players necessarily getting into this, at least right now, but if you're a major e-com retailer, uh, the, the targets of the world, the Home Depots, that, that level, um, I, think, I think there's a really, really big opportunity here. You know, where Amazon was trying to come out with, they have the stupid tiles. I call them stupid because I'm not going to stick those things up in my cabinet. Like, uh-huh. oh, hey, babe, did you press... Uh, can somebody go downstairs and press the tile so we get more Tide in the house? I'm just going to do that. Is this podcast a Tide ad? Yeah, it should be. The Redirect Podcast is brought to you by Tide Pods. Eat responsibly. Um, no, probably not. So I just think that, that the I, I totally have gone on rants before, much like Pat has, about the, the future of voice search. I very much am a believer that it's growing. We have yet to see what's going to happen there. From the commerce perspective is what I'm extremely intrigued about. This is the first step, and, and again, it's only been a matter of time to say that Google is going to monetize on this. Um, the, the, the whole concept of their zero search results coming up, too, that, that maybe Ashley will touch on. Um, I, I think there's a lot that's going to be shaken up in this, in this mobile uh, There is mobile a lot that's going to so. be shaken up, especially if you've watched the news in the last two weeks about... Uh, privacy and and data collection um, and how in Europe they have data collection laws here in the States. We do not. Well, actually what's, what's interesting, ironically enough, if, if you are an, an AdWords uh, customer um, specifically an AdWords customer, primarily, let me see here. uh, You should have received an, an updated policy uh, recently, and I'm going to see if I can actually find mine right now where it came through at. I might not be able to, but but it, it speaks uh, it speaks very much to uh, what happened hmm. in the UK. So what it is here, I, I'll read it to you guys. Uh, important updates about the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR. So over the past year, we've shared how we are preparing to meet the requirements of GDPR, the new data protection law that came into force on the 25th of May, 2018. That affects European and non-European businesses using online advertising and measurement solutions when their sites and apps are accessed by u- users in the European economic area. This totally, totally, totally has totally has with uh, with with their PLAs uh, and and favoring things, mm-hmm. uh, putting things in their favor over competition. Right. right? But anyways, so it's cool to see. I, I think it's very cool to see Google try and monetize off this. 
Um, the big e-commerce players are going to be the ones to, to lead the charge in that. They're, they're actually partnering with Google's Red Card. You know, they're, they're working with these major retailers to integrate on the financial side to make that transaction process mm. smooth because at the end of the day, it's them or Amazon. That's that's the race, right? That's the new space race. It's it's Google Shopping or Amazon, and Amazon right now, as we know it, leads the charge with Prime, and we're all Prime members. How's how's it gonna? You right. know, how's that's gonna affect us? So I'll I'll leave I'll end that discussion there. Cool. Well, I'm gonna take things in a totally different direction. Perfect. <laughs> um, much like Patrick's hobby horse um, in these discussions is the voice search. One of my. Are hobby- you gonna talk about content? Well, surprise, oh, no. Damn. My other hobby horse, which is reviews. Ah. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a fairly recent uh, blog post on best practices for responding to customer reviews, and so we'll make sure to link to that here in our show notes. Um, but that's just always something that I'm keeping my eye out about what's happening in the world of reviews. Um, I kind of have a PR background, so I'm always interested in reviews from a reputation management mm-hmm. standpoint. And I think that um, a lot of businesses really underuse this facet of the digital realm. So as far as um, news on that front, um, I guess this isn't necessarily recent news, it's it's new to me, um, I found out from a recent article that Joy Hawkins shared on Search Engine Land. Um, it's an article on eight types of negative reviews Google will remove. Apparently there was a Google Voice call coming in, excuse me. <laughs> Can you finish, please? <laughs> so, the, again, the article is on eight types of negative reviews Google will remove, so I um, I thought that, that was really interesting because I, I've seen a lot about people having trouble getting reviews yeah. removed. Um, Facebook so, is the same. You know, Facebook yeah. runs into those same challenges as well. I mean, think about how many <clears throat> reviews, how many reviews must get flagged for all sorts of reasons, and then you have some type of filtering, some kind of human element trying to get through all of that too. And well, and as, as, a, as a business owner or a marketer too, you, you feel... Um, Somewhat helpless in that world. You know, mm-hmm. I got asked this question actually, um, it was late last week by, uh, it was more of a family member of, they asked about, there was a negative review that got posted and they are like, so am I just at the mercy? And this happened to be with Facebook. And, and, you know, really the answer is, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can report it, but until someone manually reviews it, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Continue. Yes. So, I mean, and in that case, before I move on, in that case, your best bet is to respond in some way. Um, even if you don't necessarily agree 100% with the content of that review, um, I think a lot of people will feel a little bit indignant about getting mm, that kind of mm-hmm. um, a review. And instead of you know going straight for trying to get it removed, um, at the very least, because it may be a long time before you can even get it removed, re- Removed if it is found to go against the policies of whatever platform you're on. Um, if you don't take that time to respond, then that review is floating out there for all your potential customers to see, and that's not going to reflect well on you because not everybody's going to have the capacity to think, oh, this might be just a one-time fluke thing. <laughs> so anyway, I'll get off my, my uh, 
soapbox there and get to what I was going to say. It's um, so important to respond to yeah. those reviews. Yeah, yeah, even if they're negative, right? I yeah. mean, if yep. they're positive, thank them. Right. Uh, if they're negative, uh, certainly certainly try and answer it. And I know, Ashley, you provided, uh, I think you and Adrian provided some really great tip. Or did you did you come up with that one, the, the reviews, best practices? That was me. Okay. Um, you know, I know you provided some good, good insights on how to go about that mm-hmm. uh, in there as well. And I, I believe that that's a... Uh, a really good point is is that you you want to respond to all of them if you can if you can and if you know if you're getting a volume where it would be impossible to respond to all of them totally then my recommendation would be um, to focus on as far as the positive reviews um, a lot of people if they leave a five star review that's awesome if they leave a five star review with a comment that gives you something to interact with. If it's just a random five-star review without any text with it, that's great. You don't need to thank them for that. Then you should focus on the people who give the, their time and energy into giving you that positive feedback. Do you feel that if, let's say, um, they've got 100 reviews mm-hmm. and let's say 95 of them are five-star reviews with comments and they've all said, hey, thanks, this is, I appreciate your, your kind words. And then those other five are, you know, Three stars and below, do those responses, let's say they had one really bad one-star review with a detailed description about something bad that happened, and they were in the business owner responds, does it get lost amongst all their other positive responses? Or would the one, if they only responded to like the, the less than five stars, hmm. would that stand out more as a more proactive response? That's a great question, and I'm not sure what kind of premise 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 displays reviews off of um if it's recency or if it's it, yeah, it, sure. it could be that you know let's say that there were the 95 positive um reviews and the owner didn't respond to those but they did respond to that one i wonder if that one would go toward the top so that Google would display right. that response. A lot of... Um, because the owner did interact most, with that one. Most of it is based off of... Uh, it's it's not a relevancy thing. It's a timeline thing. Okay. So the most recent is going to more or less rise to the top in chronological order from right. a Google perspective. Now, if you're if you're doing a, 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 a Google map search... Um, and it's pulling in from other. It's they're fulfilling. They're they're filling up their knowledge panel with reviews from other places like mm-hmm. Facebook or like um, I know they're not pulling one hundred percent from TripAdvisor, but maybe if you're in the health world, it's something like Real Self or some of these other these other aggregate type uh, sites. Um, that's where I think things start to get real fishy in the Google world because you don't you you can't always respond inside of there for those right where you can on the Google my business side mm-hmm. of things and then back on the site on site side of it um, <clears throat> I know a lot of um, personal experience a lot of tool websites um, big box tool stores and the doing the, their medium, own. the medium box tool sites that start that live in a harbor somewhere um, they underneath the product they will have the most liked or the highest rated um, positive view and the highest rated negative re- review side hmm. by side and like two columns on the nice. screen and it's up to the user then to d- decide which one makes more sense for their, hmm. their it's great. I think it's a great approach right. I mean yeah. give them give them give them the positive and give them the negative and make them decide yeah um, you know odds are if you've got as you pointed out 
95 positive reviews to five that are eh, maybe less than stellar. Yeah. Somebody's going to, mm-hmm. you know, make an educated guess on that and determine what they want to do. Yep. Yeah. Man, I just, my the wheels in my head were turning because <laughs> I have a big thing, I have a big hobby horse too for the concept of digital literacy. And like, we have to understand that not everybody has the same approach to what they interact with online. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other topic. Can I respond to you in all caps right now? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you shouting? <laughs> Man, all right, maybe another time we'll but that's a, but, that it, but, it, but it is a I think that's a really great point though. That's a, that's a bit of a tip though is is to go into it and know that uh, just similar to email. There's no emotion in in or there's emotion, it's limited emotion in written mm-hmm. uh, text, written content. So similar to an email um my email to you might come off very direct and, and, and crass at some point when I'm just like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, you might be like, or I might say, no, don't do that. Do this. Mm-hmm. It, if we were having a conversation and you saw the nonverbal cues and, and things like that, it's, it's, it's very much different. I think reviews are the same thing. So to a business owner, to a marketer who's in control of those reviews, my big suggestion for that would be, Watch how deep you read into that mm-hmm. review. You know, mm-hmm. go don't certainly don't go at it from just face value and be like, oh my god, these guys, they, don't, they don't. Mm-hmm. You, you certainly want to kind of break it down, but also be uh, conscious of of maybe that person's ability to to communicate online, mm-hmm. sure, and and their skill level. There's there's a reason that they they chose to make the comment on your page that they did. Uh, and certainly, I think the negative comments you will start to see more of that on the lower, the, mm-hmm. the, the lower scale of the, um, mm, would you say digital literacy? Yeah. Uh, the aptitude of that, mm-hmm. and so you wanna, I think you wanna handle that as nice as possible. Maybe, you know, the old, the old communications adage of force them offline and try and get a, yep. a phone conversation going. Yep. Good stuff. That's great. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> This, this little conversation has meandered in a couple different ways, but I guess the big highlight that I wanted to take out of um, this article um, that I'll link to um, was that um, leaving reviews for a current or former employer is now against Google policy. It oh. used to be only current employees couldn't... What, let me rephrase this. <laughs> It used to be against Google's policy for a current employee to leave a review and people who who would try to report reviews from hmm. um, past employees hmm. who were leaving negative reviews, hmm. um, you know, didn't get help from Google because it, that wasn't part of their po- their policy. And it was in December, I don't know how I missed this, but it was in December that Google actually changed its policy and now it's um, past employees and current employees Interesting. it's against google's policy to hmm. leave a review um so i was very not surprised but i i guess i was just like oh i didn't know that and i think that that's maybe one of not not the biggest but definitely one of the big concerns that a lot of businesses will, will have when they are dealing with negative reviews i mean this list of the eight that joy posted on um, search engine land a lot of these have to do with um people who have some kind of an agenda. Mm. Um, and if 
if things don't go the way that you would like them to in a business setting and an employee is no longer with your business, there might be some kind of an agenda there where they're trying to get back at you. And so that was a big frustration for business owners related to Google reviews. So good news, that is now a means for you to flag a review. Well, there's two sides of every story. There is. But the the general web user doesn't know that. Doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so on that note, I definitely want to reiterate that just because you don't agree with a review's content 100% um, doesn't give you grounds to try to get it removed. It's, right. it's really going to come down, again, to these platforms' policies. And um, in some cases, you know, flagging it once may not be enough if it's, um, I'm not encouraging a pile-on by any means, um, but, you know, if... If it's a very, um, like, truly inaccurate and, you know, fake or clearly an attack sort of situation and, you know, Google isn't addressing it as quickly as you would like to, again, going back to my previous point, make sure that you're responding to it in a gracious way and not trying to paint your side of the story Mm. to make it a he said, she said sort of thing, you know, if you can figure out a neutral objective way of responding to it while it is out there floating around. But I did see some um, some forum discussion on if you will if you can have a couple other people um, flag the review, then there's a better chance that Google oh, will pay attention to it. So again, don't you know don't get spammy about that for reviews that you just don't like for the sake of not liking it's them. There's a reason we can't have nice things. We need to do that, people. <laughs> right? Sorry, go ahead, Pat. No, I think I, I was getting ready to ask a question and in the process of getting ready to say it out loud, answered it internally, so oh. I don't need to ask it. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is easy to report a review that you think abuses Google's policies, and we'll make sure to link to those policies um, in these show notes. <clears throat> Um, you can navigate to that review either on your um, knowledge panel that shows up in organic search. Um, if you click on that specific review, um, there should be a little flag that shows up by the person's name. You can um, tap on that. Or if you're in Google My Business and you're looking at your review specifically in your Google My Business um, account, you can, um, there's like this three little, three little dots. Google mm-hmm. loves these three little dots yep. for their menus. You tap on that and... Um, you can flag it as inappropriate. So hmm. okay, yeah. Keep keep an eye out for that uh, for that stuff in your interface too. That's good. Yeah. Man, we've been all over the uh, <laughs> all over the map today. So from from more on uh, voice search and and really what that means and how to approach it. Do you approach it differently? Do you not? Um, Pat's advice is keep doing good. Keep keep doing good on page SEO, and uh, and and you're saying that, that that's going to come out in the wash. Um, definitely, um, you know, Google's going to start to monetize on, on the search side of things. Well, I think that's limited right now to big commerce, big e-commerce players. Um, I, I think eventually it'll come down to, to those at a, at a smaller scale. And then, uh, yeah, what are you doing from a reviews perspective and how are you going about monitoring those? And, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's another <laughs> quarterly checks and balances. There you go. What are we doing? Do we um, have a strategy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ask yourself that. How yeah. are we going to handle this moving forward? I've got uh, another really great one to share, but I'm actually going to hold this one off until next, uh, next week when we record. 
um, because I think it will take us down a, a completely different path and, and there will be some great discussion around it. So, and, and really, time, timeliness of it doesn't matter, so I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about it. Speaking of timeliness, yeah. you had alluded to it, and, I, and I, it wasn't the topic that I ended up covering this week, but um, going back to our discussion from the last episode about the zero results search. Yes. Um, so Google has <laughs> retracted that experiment now. So um, we did write a blog post, and um, that's up on our website, just kind of hashing out what this might mean for the future because just because it's done now doesn't mean that it's not mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. come back and just kind of observations of what that looked like. Totally. So check that out. and um, But just know for now that that's not happening. Um, that's my update. <laughs> no, really good thing. I was going to, I was going to mention it. So I'm oh, glad that you did. Um, but uh, a lot of things, a lot of things happening still continuously in, in the world of search. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where things head here in the next, uh, in this next quarter. So, uh, thanks for joining us and until next time, good luck. This has been the redirect podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.